laying on this sweet this We live in a sin sick America. We're in worse condition than we think we are. How many of us are doing anything about it, you know? How many? A lot, of, a lot of this stuff is not affecting us, you know. It's coming. It's coming. We ought to be ashamed that we don't try to do anything about it. During the invitation time today, I challenge every man, woman, child is here today to come to this altar and pray with me for America. That we could truly say again, God bless America. Thank you. Lord, I pray for today, Lord, for Brother Gary. I pray, Lord, he, he's already revealed to me what he's preaching about, Lord. A lot of people are not going to like that. They're going to stomp all over them. I pray, Father, you help him, Lord, preach tough. Don't give no slack to nobody or nothing. I pray, Father, you fill him with the Holy Spirit, Lord, with extra folks in his hands. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. If you would, this morning, turn with me to the book of Psalms. Psalms 139. there in verse 13, Psalms chapter 39. I've been in a great conflict the last couple of days over this passage of scripture, what God would have me to do, and I'm going to be honest with you, I've tried to get out of it. I've, I've tried to look in other places. Uh, this morning I woke up uh, all the way to church this morning. This beautiful Lord's Day that's been given to us. Uh, I've been in a struggle over this. It gives me no pleasure to have to preach this this morning. No joy do I receive from it except knowing that it is the truth. It's a shame. The preachers in a country that God has blessed so greatly and was founded upon Christian values of God's word would have to stand behind the pulpit of God and preach on such matters as I will today. Before 1973, January the 22nd, Preachers in America would not have to preach upon abortion taking place. And there's many today that still won't preach upon it. But my conviction, my belief, that in a world that is filled with sin, which we live, it is necessary to preach on these very matters. I would not stand in front of you this morning 
telling you that I'm anything but just a poor, filthy sinner saved by grace. I'm the worst of the worst in this building today. But this morning, we will preach upon the sin of abortion. You know, Satan will not stop it exposing us or our children or our grandchildren to sin. On the issue of abortion, at one time our nation looked upon that as the most evilest of all things, the worst sort. Oh, but not today. Today it is broadcast freely, not from back alleys or in whispering tones, no, but upon billboards in America. So as parents and grandparents, as godly people saved by Jesus Christ, we are having to answer questions on the sin of abortion. And if we're not giving the next generation the truth, it will never cease. As I woke up this morning, I saw the sun coming through the window been a several days of cloudiness. And as I got up this morning, I saw the splendor that God created. So that's what happened. The sun come up this morning because God said it would. And it'll set this afternoon only because God says it will. Mother Nature is not real. It's God who is real. Everything that you have seen this morning in all of its splendor and all of its glory through that frost that was on the ground was placed there by the hand of God himself allowed it to happen. No other explanation. Doesn't matter what anyone else says or even what we believe. God has spoken. He is the creator of all things. And I've thought about what I've seen in my lifetime of the splendor of God's creation. But you take all those things match nothing to the place when Christ found me and redeemed me. The splendor of salvation. How great a gift. God is the giver and taker of life. Outside my salvation, it is humbling for me and what a joy it has been to me and the Lord has blessed me with when I saw two red wrinkled up faces of two little boys that God gave me. He is who blesses the womb. And then as I have seen my grandchildren born, what a blessing I have received. And I know through the reading of God's word why Christ came. Christ was sent to be obedient to the Father and to carry out God's grace. He, he sought those things that were lost. He sought those who were lost in need of a Redeemer. And today it's still the same. Anyone 
that comes to that place in their life knowing that they are a sinner in need of a Savior under the uh, conviction of the Holy Spirit can reach out for Jesus Christ and be saved today. He's still seeking to save that which is lost. But Jesus did not come to die and save a sunset. Wasn't the purpose. Nor did he come to save a sunrise or to save a, uh, what all lives in the oceans above and below it. Jesus did not come to die for dogs, cats, or an ivory-billed woodpecker. No, Jesus, God's Lamb, the Son of God, came and died to redeem mankind's soul. It's mankind that is God's crown in the jewel of His creation. Mankind is that jewel. So at what time does that life begin? When does the life of a human being actually start? Is it at birth? You could get many answers for that question. So I'm going to ask that question this morning. So who can give me the correct answer? Maybe Hope Place here in Monticello that carries out wonderful work. I know that they would be able to give me their opinion of when life starts or maybe we can gather up some elected officials from our area or our state and our nation and I'm sure they have an explanation I'm sure they'll be able to tell you when they believe life starts although they may not give you it in a straight answer or maybe I could just go to Walmart today just stand outside and take a poll and go with what the majority says is my answer on when life begins. Well, that's not what I'm going to do. That's not where I'll find my conviction. That's not where I'm going to find the truth. I'm going to go to where the truth is. And that's all I need in the truth of when life begins is in the Word of God itself. Search no longer, people. We found it this morning. We know when it begins because God tells us when it begins. And that's where I'm going to get my conviction so that I know that I'm right. Not because of what my thinking or my opinion or my ideas are. No, I'm going to get it from God's Word regardless of what I think. Regardless of my opinion or what I believe. I'm going to get my conviction from God's Word. And you know why I'm going to do that? Because it's truth. It's truth. And that's what I desire this morning. It's the truth. I'll receive my answer from Him. That way when others may disagree, when others may shun me for my stand, I'll still know I'm right in it. For God has spoken and praise His name, I know the truth this morning. Regardless of what some will tell you, I know the truth. 
Isaiah gives us an answer under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The one who wrote of the birth and death of Jesus Christ hundred years before he came tells us in Isaiah 49 verse 1, he says, Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken ye people from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. Then he says in verse 5, And now saith uh, the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant. Gospel of Luke, Elizabeth. When she found out, when Mary came and told her what had happened and that the Holy Spirit had conceived in her a child, which is Christ the Lord. Chapter 1 of the book of Luke tells us in verse 41 through 44, it says, For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salvation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Our text this morning that the psalmist also talks of the life, the little human being, from the womb. Maybe there could be someone here to say, I don't know where I stand on the issue of abortion. Well, but I'll tell you this. Maybe if the womb was to have a window and we could see this uh, child develop, we could see the little heart start beating maybe even before the mother knows that she's pregnant. We can start seeing the actions of this. We can see the little fingers and the little toes. Then see the little nose forming on the child's face 37 days after conception. Maybe then we would put a stop to the slaughter. Today, Murderers, rapists, and child molesters are given rights. But in America, the child from the time of conception to five months of age has no rights in America. Look with me in verse 13. 139th chapter of the book of Psalms. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yes, being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which were in continuous were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Verse 13 says, the words possess my reins. That actually literally means that God was the one that formed all of my uh, organs to work together. Praise God for the medical research that we have now where it gains every day. But 
you know where all that was put together at? Now, I'm going to say this. It didn't come from an ape. It didn't come from a microorganism. Uh, no, God was created in the image of God, and he had already figured all that out. It don't take God a whole bunch of thinking to get all this figured out. Let's tend to little mankind. It's actually saying that God's the one that created. He's the one that placed, put everything in place that it would work together that man may live and breathe what he saith. He literally uh, put everything together. Then in verse 13, it also says that he covered me. Uh, uh, he covered me. He means he knitted. The word actually comes from the Hebrew of being knitted together. You know, Kidney's not any good to you if it's not hooked up to the right place, right? Your heart is no good to you unless it's put in the right place. And he's saying that God formed all those things and then he knitted them together where they worked together. Everything works in unison together. Verse 15 says he knows my substance, literally means my bones. My skeletal frame. So not only did he put all these organs together, not only did he make it to where they'd all work in accordance with one another, he also said, now I've got to house them in a place. And it actually means that he framed us together, our skeletal frame, all of our substance. He put every bone in place to the way it should be. To make a man able to stand upright, to run, to walk, to grab things, to touch things. Not one thing of the skeletal frame in which is the right way that man is put together has anything to do with us. It's all God. We're not in control of that. To be honest with you, I wouldn't want to try to. The mess I would make of it. But then in verse 15 it says, We was curiously wrought. Translated in the Hebrew is embroidered. After he knitted all those inner parts together, put that frame around it, then it says he embroidered us. He sewed us all together. Then verse 16 says something. Very curious. Look there with me. It says, My mind, or thine eyes did see my substance, it being imperfect. And in thy book, all thy, uh, my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned. Now listen to what he says. When as yet there was none of them. What's he saying? This is what he's saying. God knew you before you were conceived. Now anyone sits in this room and say, No, God didn't know me before I was born. You've lost your mind. You don't know the Word of God. God's all-knowing. God knows all things. He knew all things in eternity past about Gary Carter. You see, what it's actually saying is, is that God had a plan for Isaiah before conception, and Isaiah carried out that plan for God after conception. That's what it's saying. It's saying that God had a plan for David from the womb before conception. He knew what David would do. He knew what he could do through David and how David would serve him. And then after conception, he carried out God's plan in his life. 
this morning. I am thankful today that God knew me before I was conceived. And there was a plan already established for Gary Carter and whether I carry that plan out the way God intended to uh, for him for me to carry it out does not matter but there's a plan set forth for me before conception and I'm to carry it out after conception. That's what God does. Man has no right to destroy life from the womb. No right. I'm not talking politics to you this morning. I don't care about politics this morning. I'm not discussing uh, uh, discussing, uh, agendas of government agencies that will tell you contrary to this. Not discussing that with you this morning. What I'm talking about this morning, Brother Joe, is God's Word. That's what I'm talking about this morning. So when does life begin? The psalmist told us in chapter uh, 51, verse 5. The passage is hard to understand in the English. You take the, uh, the Hebrew and you start seeking the Hebrew out in it, and it says, True, I was born guilty was a sinner from the moment my mother conceived me. I'm going to say this. If you were a sinner, you had to be a human being because a dog can't sin. A dog just messes up. That's just what a dog does. At the time of conception, you and I are a sinner. So therefore, we have a soul. It's the only way to sin. David's telling us he also was a sinner from conception. So this morning, as poor, dumb, and ignorant as I am, I can solve and put down a 46-year argument and debate on when life begins. Because I'm going to go get the truth. And here's the truth. Life begins at conception. You are not conceived a turkey. You are conceived a human being is what you are. Fearfully and wonderfully made. 46 years has been debated. You know the only difference between a child at the moment of conception and a child that lives and breathes and cries uh, in its mother's arms nine months later? You know what the only difference is in that child? Nine months. That's the only difference. It's nine months of time. All that child needs, all that child requires is time to become the children that we know outside the womb. For most part of the, uh, for 2,000 years, the Western uh, world considered the killing of children the most heinous of all crimes. Doctors who performed such deeds had their license revoked and were in prison for it. Calvary, to this morning, we need to stand our ground. We need to be heard on this matter of abortion. 
at four weeks approximately, the time the mother discovers that she is with child, the child already has a heartbeat. Some will say, well, you see it's the mother's body and she has the right over her own body. Let me tell you something, I'm a proud American. You're, you're exactly right. I believe that we are free. But now I'm going to tell you, we're not free because America says we're free. We're free because God says we're free. We're free men, free women. And you're exactly right. A woman should have the rights over her own body. But let me tell you this. That which is placed in her is not her body. It's not her body. I know of no woman today that has two hearts. You? I know of no woman today that has four lungs or 20 fingers. Most of the time, the child in which she is carrying doesn't even hold her blood type. That child, and praise the Lord, what a blessing. I'll never understand to be a mother, to carry a child, give birth to a child, and raise that child. What a blessing that has to be that I can't receive. Within five weeks, that child develops ears, eyes, and little hands. Eight weeks, it's recognizably human. That child which is placed upon her, that God has designed that the way it to be, that child, that precious God-given life has been conceived and plugged into that mother, and she is a life support system for that child. Roman Empire, we can see so many of the heinous acts that they carried out. They're not standing today either. Their roads were even tore up. They lay in ruin for people to take vacation and see everything that they built that was destroyed. Do you know that in the Roman Empire, it was common practice for 99 out of 100 families to kill every girl after the birth of the first one. 99 out of 100 after the first little girl was born, they killed the rest of them. you need to see how they're doing because killing's killing. It doesn't matter what you do. With a rock or a pistol, it's still murder in God's eyes. Isn't that right? They had three ways that you could take that child's life. Legally. Because they said it's right. Didn't care what God said. They said it's right. One thing you could do, you could um, hit the child in the head and kill it by a blunt object. Or you could take the little baby by their legs and slam their head on the ground. Or, if you didn't have the nerve to do that, you could carry it to a junkyard where the dogs roam for food and leave it. Is that not sickening? Sickening, isn't it? Yeah. 
life not precious to America anymore. The Roman Empire fell and the killing of babies stopped. The hand of death reaching into the womb was snuffed out. Life did not become, uh, 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 didn't come acceptable again of taking a baby's life from the womb until the Western culture, until the fall of Christianity in the 20th century in Soviet Union and then Nazi Germany and then all Western Europe. And now our beloved America. I'm going to say this. We started way late, but we've caught up. America, we're number one today in the killing of our babies. If you were born in 1973, at the time you graduated, if you took all the senior classes in the United States of America, one-third of those seniors were murdered from the womb. One-third of America's senior class killed in abortion. One-third. That were not allowed to draw breath outside the womb because they were an inconvenience, considered an embarrassment, or just simply not wanted. God help us. God forgive us. I say today, if God's people will not stand on the issue of abortion, on the issue of life, where will we stand? If not on this issue, what issue will we stand? If not here, where? If not now, when? And if uh, uh, if not you, who will stand on this if God's people won't? When abortion became legal, those that condoned the killing of babies said that now every baby would be a wanted baby. But they were wrong. Do you know since uh, 1973 that child abuse has went up 800% since then? Now you may say, well, preacher, you're not going to tell me that child abuse uh, percentage has increased on, on the result of abortion. Yes, that's exactly what I'm fixing to tell you. You know why? You know why? Because it's a fact of the matter. You cannot tell a mother that she has the legal right to kill her unborn child without consequently telling her that she can kill it after it's born. Can't do it. It's impossible to do. Because there is no difference in the child but time. We as Christians will not stand on the issue of abortion and be heard. God is going to hold us accountable. A day of reckoning is coming today. 60 million babies killed. Our time's coming to pay that debt. It's coming. What's keeping us today from taking the life of a baby after it's born? If I was pro-choice, 
I believe I would really push this day and age, since we have such a gender problem in America today, where you can't tell if a man's a man or a woman's a woman, what I would actually do, if I was a proponent, if I believed in pro-choice, what I'd do is, is I would make a law that you couldn't abort them, we'd wait till after they're born, and we'd let a doctor come in and examine them and see if they're a sturdy-built man. I mean, as flawless as a sinful man can be, a big, strong man that will defend a nation. And if not, we'll just kill the weak. Examine the little girls and say, you know what? They're a good-built woman. They're a sturdy woman. I believe they. Uh, you put them with a good man, we'll just go ahead and we'll have excellent children. Well, but this is going to be a weakling. Let's just kill this one. I would be for that if I were pro-choice. But see, I'm not because God is the giver and taker of life. It's God's choice to be made, not man's. What's stopping us from moving into our nursing homes? If there's no sanctity of life, why not just move in these nursing homes and clean them out? Sounds harsh, doesn't it? Don't you think that it hasn't been talked about? As a matter of fact, in California, it has been put out there to wait up to 12 months after a child is born and the mother decide if she wants that child or not. Wasn't voted on, but it was brought up. You say, well, preacher, you're starting to carry this a little far now. Well, this is what I'll tell you. In 1982, a little boy was born on Good Friday. He was Down syndrome. The doctors told his mother that you'll have to tend this child the rest of his life. But also he has another small condition that needs to be attended to. His esophagus was not attached to his stomach properly. The doctor said that with this child having Down syndrome and the procedure that needs to be done to attach esophagus back to his stomach is a real simple surgery. But since he's not perfect enough for America's standards, we cannot do the surgery and just let him lay there. Stomach acids will leak, leak out, and he will succumb to it. They chose to let him die because he wasn't perfect enough for America. He wasn't good enough because he had a problem. For three days, they let this little boy lay in a room and cry and eventually die. Where will we draw the line? 
tell you very strongly. Let me tell you the truth very strongly. At conception is where it's drawn. That's the line. I'm going to close this morning if I can get through this. I'm going to I'm going to read to you the diary of an unborn little girl starting today. January 20th, 2019. Today my life began. My parents don't know it yet, but I'm going to be a little girl. I'm going to have blonde hair and blue eyes. Nearly everything is settled already, even that I'm going to love little birds. February the 2nd. I've grown a little bit, but I'm still too small to do anything by myself. My mother does everything for me, although she still doesn't know that I'm here yet. February 17th. My mouth is beginning to open. Just think. In a year or longer, I'm going to be laughing, and later I'll be talking, and I'm going. my first words are going to be, Dada. Today, my heart also began to beat. And it'll beat for the rest of my life. March 1st, I'm steadily growing. My arms are taking shape. But I must wait a little bit of time before these tiny legs will run me to my mother's arms. March 25th, my fingers are beginning to form on my hands. Fingerprints that will never change. One day I'll stroke my mother's hair and tell her that I love her. March 29th. Today the doctor told my mother that I'm living under her heart. Oh, how happy she must be. April 1st. My mother and father are probably thinking of a name for me right now. Boy, I'm growing so much. April 25th. My hair is starting to grow. I wonder what color hair my mother has. May 3rd. My eyes are almost fully developed, although the lids are still shut. When my mother brings me into the world, it's going to be full of sunshine. I've never seen a flower. I want to. But more than anything else, I want to see my mama. May 14th. My fingers and toes are almost formed now. May 21st. I wonder if my mama feels my heartbeat. My heart's so healthy and strong. Mama, you're going to have a healthy little girl. May 31st. Today, I was killed. Father, I come to you today. And as I have 
this morning. Lord, I confess to you that I've sinned against you. Lord, now I humbly appeal to you to forgive me and my land, my nation. Lord, I pray that you would give me the strength, the fortitude, and the temperament to stand at all costs. To stand for those that can't stand for themselves. Those that can't speak for themselves. Lord, your word has spoken. It's not up for debate. It's truth. I ask for forgiveness for my country. And I ask for healing in my own life. That somewhere, somehow, your people would stand up and be heard and not be silent until it stopped. Use us, use me to be what you would have me to be in your name. It's in Jesus Christ's name I ask it.